1: It was just another Tuesday with nothing to do. Some people are at work and many others are in school. What shall I do on this day so fine? Should I knit a sweater or is that a waste of time? And then it hit me. I knew exactly where to go. I ran into my room and I grabbed my phone. I found my podcast app and I opened it up and I grew a slight grin for the brand new episode of Pipe It Up. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that well-written poem by yours truly, Tommy Coughlin. Once again, your may or may not be permanent host of Pipe It Up, but I'm back again. Week three, I told you guys, we're back and better than ever, and here we are again. And once again, I am joined by... Daniel
2: Schultz. Daniel, how are we doing today? We're doing great. I did not realize we were going to be going to poetry class today, but uh, that was very, very good stuff, Tom. I liked it.
1: Every once in a while, you got to reach in your bag of trips and pull out a poem, okay? But hey, I don't know if Dan, I don't know if I'm a permanent host. I don't know if Dan's a permanent host, but we we had a good time last week. And I said, Dan, Hmm. let's run it back. I texted him earlier today and I said, we're going to knock this podcast out once again. We're giving you guys another banger of an episode today. We're going to be breaking down the Eagles versus Diamondbacks series, which I hope you guys have all watched. If you have not, pause this podcast. Go check that out on YouTube, Eagles versus Diamondbacks. We're going to be hearing from Daniel Schultz himself on how his team played. We're going to be calling into Jimmy Norp and getting his side of things for the Diamondbacks. We're going to be breaking down the fan cue of the day. And then I'm going to provide you guys with a little bit of comic relief from an encounter I had this week at a lake. But Dan, how are we doing today? You said you're doing well. Um, I guess... Before we call Jimmy, what were your? I don't want to hear about your thoughts on this series now. I want to hear about what were your expectations going into the series. You talked about this last week, but did it change at all since the last podcast? Like right before game time, you're seeing the Diamondbacks warm up. You're seeing your guys. You're seeing your young guns. What are you thinking going into that game five minutes before game time?
2: Yeah, well, I definitely have a lot of thoughts on the series as a whole, but going into game time like five minutes in, I won't go into depth too much, but like I was honestly feeling pretty confident. I was getting a lot of warm ups in. Uh, Dallas looked good, but I don't know. We'll we'll, we'll go into depth a little more, but uh, not the way I wanted it to turn out for sure.
1: Before we get Jimmy on the line here, I guess yeah. From from my perspective, um, pregame, you know, we're doing the interviews, we're recording the intro, um, we're getting photography, all that kind of stuff going on. Um, and yeah, I didn't. I didn't necessarily. I knew the Diamondbacks were solid. I knew Shima was solid. I saw him in spring training. We saw Jimmy last year. He's a phenomenal player. But um, I definitely didn't expect the sweep to come. To be honest, um, I didn't really watch Daniel warm up a whole lot. But I saw his Eagles hitters hitting. Um, Waylon's a veteran. Clayton's a veteran. Dan's a veteran. So I did not expect at all of the Diamondbacks to come away with a sweep there. However, if I would have had to have picked a series winner. I think I would have gone with the Diamondbacks just because of how well Jimmy Norp has been playing um, and clearly played once again so well in that opening series of the year. But without further ado, I would like to hear from Jimmy Norp. He had a phenomenal performance, and um, we're going to give him a ring right now and see what he is up to and how he feels. James Norp, (laughs) you are on the hot seat, buddy.
3: Tom, what's going
1: on, man? Hey, Jimmy, how you doing? You are live. I'm piping up. We're happy to have you. But How are you feeling today?
3: Good, good. Good to be here.
1: Good to be here. Well, hey, we're glad to have you. Um, I just kind of gave the fans, you know, my thoughts that I had about five minutes before your guys' series kicked off against the Eagles. So I want to hear from you. You know, after you guys have warmed up, you've maybe thrown a little bit already, what were your thoughts and expectations right before game time for that series against the Eagles?
3: Yeah, I mean, honestly, I was pretty confident going into the day. Uh, all three of us, we got a lot of chemistry out there. But to be honest, I've never seen Dan well in the past. I've been attending MLW events since 2018. Faced him twice in tournaments, once in the Winter League and last year. And honestly, I have never got hit off of Daniel Schultz until that series. So coming into it, facing Dan, we had a really good game plan, though. We talked about it on the way there. I felt good on the mound. I mean, me and Dan both definitely struggled in game one. I think the weather had a lot, of, lot to do with that. But overall we figured it out we just got the job done. I couldn't be any advertising.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I I can't agree with you there. Um, or I can't agree with you there, sorry. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, you mentioned your confidence. Do you think that stems from the success that you had last season or did you make any changes in the off season? But it was pretty clear and apparent your confidence in the box just from watching the video alone, let alone being there in person.
3: Yeah, one hundred percent. Like coming I remember the first time I played last year, I was just I was trying to just stay in the league, like play well enough to stay in the league. But as Mm -hmm. the season went on, I mean, when we moved the mound back, I think that was big for me. That's when I really started to see the ball better and hit well. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, now it's all about winning a championship this year, and I'm just playing with a lot of confidence. It really helps playing with guys who I have chemistry with because they're there to back me up. And I'm definitely just a much more confident hitter. I'm not missing my pitch this year, which is big. Whenever I'm sitting on something, I see the hit hard, and that's just big for us.
1: Yeah, I think if you can keep, keep doing what you're doing at the plate, let, not even considering what you're doing on the mound, but at the plate alone, if you can keep this up, no doubt in my mind you'll be uh, hoisting that MVP trophy at the end of the year, but very, very early to be calling that one. Um, yeah, sure. Before we, Let's talk about pitching now. I mean, all your guys hit pretty well, but on the pitching side, um, Jonah Heath, he really dialed it in, as did you. I want to talk about Jonah first. Was he a guy who put a lot of time in the offseason, or do you think it's just the kind of the second-year confidence thing as, as he rolled into the Meadows for the first time this year?
3: No, yeah, I can personally tell you that when Jonah was coming home from college just for the weekends, we would talk a lot about pitching. We'd actually throw a couple of bullpens together. He was working on mainly on his slider because that's his go-to pitch, and you could tell in that series that he had it, and it was unhittable, honestly. That was the biggest takeaway, I think, for me in the entire series because if Jonah can beat other secondary arms this year, I think we won't have a problem really having a chance to take home the whole division, which is big because getting a bye in that first round is huge because every team – can beat every other team. Yeah. So we're, we're really going to win the division. But yeah, Jonah put in the work for sure. Definitely throwing more strikes. And that was huge. He only walked three guys in that series yesterday. I believe in his three starts last year, he walked 24 guys, <laughs> which, would out, which would average out to what? Eight, eight, walks, eight walks to start. Eight walks to start. So that's, that's huge. If he throws strikes, he has better stuff than I do, honestly. So if he can hit that zone, he's going to be dominant.
1: Yeah, I think what I've noticed at least um looking at the league in a broader sense is that over the past 2 or 3 seasons um what can really distinguish a team is you know I guess there's the there's the t- there's tier 1 this is being the worst team like tier 1 being a team that has an ace but doesn't have a number 2 arm at all just someone trying to get the ball over the plate. Right. Then you have guys maybe a, the next tier up would be a team that has a guy um who can throw strikes and that's a step up in the right direction. And then where we're getting to now with the best teams in the league and what you guys showed in your first series is guys that have a legit number two arm that could have been an ace or could be an ace now, and that's huge when trying to, you know, these we saw last year in the National League how important one win can be, one extra win or two extra wins can be in terms of the standings, getting that bye, as you mentioned, and making the playoffs. So having a guy like Jonah Heath, I'm sure you're very thrilled with his performance.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he threw the ball so good game two, I almost let him start game
1: three. I yeah, that's not a, I'd
3: be able to, I was hoping I'd be able to figure it out, but I, I really considered it. Like, I was 50-50 on it. I almost put him in there to start game
1: three. Yeah, it's a tough decision, but it's one, you know— It's a tough call, but it's one that you, I guess you can be happy to make considering that you have exactly. two pretty good options within yourself, and he— That's, and that's then, a great point. Yeah, on the mound, you look good, but I'm not. I'm not necessarily surprised by that. Like Jonah, I mean, you looked you looked well last year. Um, you had the drop, especially game three. You know, you were dialed in, drop slider, changing speeds, everything. You looked great out there. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see you guys the rest of the year. Um, I think the National League will absolutely be a dog fight, but um, you know, I've got you guys as the early frontrunners as of right now. But a lot can change.
3: A lot can change. That's very true.
1: All right, Jim, we well, got any anything else you want to address to the podcast fans before I let you go here for your slow pitch softball game?
3: <laughs> I mean, D Back Nation, just be ready, guys. We're for real. We got all of this without Ben Wilson. Ben Wilson should be back next series against the Preds. I'm certainly excited. for the Yeah. Rest of the year.
1: Real quick, I wanted to. This is a, kind of another a problem. That's a good thing to have. But yeah, Ben Wilson was a a great hitter in your lineup last year. And while you guys did look good with three, do you still think that Ben Wilson is um, a guy that you want to turn to?
3: Oh, absolutely. Coming into the Preds series, I think we're going to hit four for sure. And then as the series goes on, maybe who's ever struggling the most. Maybe takes a seat because three guys is good, but when you have four guys who can all rake, it's a good option to have.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it's a good problem to have. But, uh, all right, Jimmy, well, congrats on a great first series, and I'll let you go. And I'm um, looking forward to watching you guys play again.
3: Appreciate it, Tom. Good luck with the best of the rest of the podcast. All
1: right, thanks, Jim. See you. Yes, sir. Ah, James, what a guy.
2: Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy.
1: All right, Dan, now you're in the hot seat. Now, I've known you for a very long time, Dan, as have the the main followers of this channel they've been watching you they've you've grown up right in front of their eyes you've sprouted from you know gone from a caterpillar to a butterfly i mean it's, it's been beautiful to watch but last series wasn't one of your most beautiful moments um i guess talk about what went wrong if you think it's a long-term issue or is it just a one-day fluke kind of thing or where, where's your head at and just be honest with, with with the podcast listeners
2: yeah so I was thinking I could probably go like game by game but I'll, I'll start like pre-game because that's kind of where it all started like honestly going into the first game you know I was confident I had gone to spring training I had pitched there for two innings my confidence level was up I actually threw way more warm-up pitches than I usually do like from last year I probably threw like 40 warm-up pitches, which maybe looking back was a mistake, <laughs> but I was throwing strikes. I, w- I was, had a good feeling with the ball, but then, I don't know, a, a switch happened once, that, uh, once the game started and just could not throw a strike. I literally tried, st- for my riser, I tried so many different release points. At, once that didn't work, I started throwing fastballs, and then also my slider just did not break. So if I threw that over the plate, that was going to be – home run 9 times out of yeah, 10. Yeah, that's
1: tough. It's a tough situation to be and in. And so
2: like when three of my pitches that are only basically meant for, you know, getting that first pitch strike and just being accurate weren't working, I knew it was not going to be a good day and then, you know, after three or four runs or whatever it was, uh, got walked in. Eventually had to turn it over to Clayton who obviously didn't fare much better than me. <laughs> You know, so but I gotta look at the
1: pos- it's hard to watch.
2: I gotta look at the positive side here. At least we got to put Dallas Allen in the game, which as a series as a whole, I think he was the single bright spot. I, I agree. It definitely wasn't me, it definitely wasn't Clayton. It definitely Neil had a home run. Zach hit the ball. And Zach actually hit the ball as well. Um so yeah, I mean game one was a blowout, not much to talk about there. That's one where you just burn the tape and move on, as, <laughs> as some coaches would say. But then going into game two, I was my you know, I was I was a little hurt, but uh, mentally destroyed Yeah, I am not gonna say I was in a happy place, but uh, you know, Dallas was pitching well. So I put Dallas back on the mound. I thought we had a real I like chance move. to win, and we honestly did, but uh, we, we did not mm-hmm. get the bats going in game two. And like of course that happens. Of course we score six runs in game one when it literally doesn't matter, when mm-hmm. we give up fifteen runs. So
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's tough. It that was a tough series. Um, I mean, like, it's different for me because I play in the league and I've, I've been there. You guys have seen me struggle on the mound from time to time as I've, as I've grown old in my age, but, um, maybe, I maybe I haven't even reached my prime yet. Who knows? But anyway, yeah. I mean, when, when you're confident out there on the mound, it's that zone is, it's like throwing a dart where the whole board's a bullseye. Like it gets, it becomes so easy. That's where I was against the court. Like personally, I know you've been there for the majority of your career, Dan, and I've been there. I was there for a while, too. Last year, I kind of lost that. But last year against the Cobras, that's how I felt. If you guys want to go back and watch that video, I refer to that one a lot to people who ask me questions about, you know, what happened to the Mallards last year, what happened. And I said, the day we went and played the Cobras last year, we could have beat any team. We would have swept any team we played. We played so good and largely was due to pitching, but we also hit the ball. But pitching can really, really, you know, when you have a pitcher out there who's just mowing guys down. From a hitting standpoint, like, the like the weight's off your shoulders. You're not playing from behind. Your pitcher's going out there putting up zeros inning after inning. That's what you usually do, but we didn't see that last game. But, um, yeah, man, that zone, it may look big on YouTube, but I'm telling you, it's not a big zone. And it's, when a pitcher's violent, it's still very hard to hit, but then when as a pitcher, when you're struggling, it can be difficult to throw a strike. So it's a hard, happy medium to find.
2: Yeah, definitely. Throughout my career of, career of ball, I've definitely found that, like, confidence is the most important thing. Like, mm-hmm. Even though like I didn't do very well in game 3, like I still gave up 6 runs, my confidence was at least back to where I kind of wanted it to be. Yeah, I was throwing strikes. I knew that I was going to, you know, throw a strike. Like it wasn't six straight walks like yeah. the first game. Like I was actually giving my team a, a chance even though we obviously didn't have the bats going again, but it's all confidence when it comes down to it. Like in the first game I, I did not have any confidence. I knew I, I wasn't gonna get the ball over the plate. That's why I took myself out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's literally all it is. Yeah. Well, Dallas, he, which to my
1: surprise, Dallas did look confident out there. He, he threw did a, for a rookie. That's yeah. He threw a lot of strikes right off the bat. I think he may have walked the first battery face, but he had whoever it was. He had O two. I remember he had he the first two pitches he threw in his career were both strikes. And like right there, I was impressed. I was like, wow, because. It's one thing to practice. It's one thing to do it. But the conditions of the Meadows, like, the field conditions aren't always, like, perfect. It was rainy that day. Um, you know, we were – after Daniel had already pitched and it was wet. You know, it was muddy. The ball was wet. So the fact that he came out there and started throwing strikes immediately was, was super impressive to me as a whole.
2: Yeah, I was definitely pleased with Dallas. And uh, just, you know, stepping up in game two when he probably didn't realize his number was going to be called. And, like, he's he's a young kid. He's only 15. Um but right away, he was throwing strikes. He had a really nice drop ball. Like I tried to ask him like how he throws it. Like It's a screwing drop ball, mm-hmm. and uh, it's got some crazy movement on it. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see a lot of potential there. I'm super excited about the future. Yeah, I think the addition
1: of um, Dallas and Blade were like, concerning that you had two picks um, and that your squad was pretty solid last year, you won the NL, no like immediate pressing issues, maybe a number two arm, but Clayton's looked good at times, but they, you know, he kind of has that li- lingering injury that he may have for a very long time, if not for life. But those two guys being picked together is just a great move because they already have chemistry. They already know each other and they're kind of, they've kind of grown up together already playing baseball and whatnot. And they live in the same area. They can practice with football together. Um, I think it's just a great combination, and if Blade um is as good as Dallas, or it can play as well as Dallas did last series, then like those two guys is like right there could be the future of the franchise.
2: Yeah, I think starting next series, especially, I want uh, both Blade and Dallas to play more. Definitely, well, Blade didn't get a chance to play. Uh, I want him to get his uh, season debut next series, and then Dallas. I think if he keeps this up, he will definitely cement himself as the number two guy. Although, obviously, Clayton didn't have his best outing in game one. I think he will recover. Uh, I'll probably give him another chance. Um, It'll be interesting to see who wins that battle for the number two spot. Um, I think they're pretty even, honestly, right now, but uh, Dallas definitely has a lot of potential there.
1: I agree. I agree 100%. Well, any final comments you want to add about this series, Dan? Um, I, I think I've kind of covered everything that I saw. I don't think the Eagles are in major trouble. I think the Diamondbacks look great. But once again, as Jimmy said, the NL is going to be a dogfight. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the National League this year and battle it out with the best.
2: Yeah, I would just have to say, like, hats off to the Diamondbacks. I think it didn't help us that we played such a great opponent. Like, all our weaknesses got so exaggerated because we were playing such a good team. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as we had one mistake, they blew it way out of proportion. They, they, they really... They really <laughs> did not, we did not look good. I'll just say that, but uh, <laughs> it's all right, Dad. I think I think our confidence levels are returning. Uh, game three, I felt a lot better. I just got to get the bats going. I had zero hits. I just I don't, for whatever reason, I was not seeing Jimmy well, and maybe it's just because I don't face him that much. Like Jimmy hadn't faced me that much, he saw me way better. But as, I think as I play the Mallards, hopefully I I've seen Bonham, I've seen Coglin, uh, I have not seen Irwin. But I think going against the Mallards, a familiar opponent. I, I think our confidence levels will return to normal. All right, well said,
1: Dan. Well said. And now ladies and gentlemen, a surprise here at pipe it up. <laughs> I did not realize we were calling this man. Oh, it's a fan surprise. Oh God. Pause it right now and guess oh. what it's going to be. Hello, hello, <laughs> are you there? Hello, hello. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself to your to your faithful?
0: Hello, podcast faithful. It's your <laughs> Lord and Savior.
1: Lord and Savior, it wouldn't it wouldn't Drew. be an episode of piping up without Drew Davis.
0: Drew, crash! Now, boys, ladies, girls, and gentlemen, right. I have a story to tell all of you. The floor is yours. That, Go for it. That tra- that has been transpiring over the past I don't know
1: week or so. Oh boy! And has finally come to a culmination today.
0: Now. <laughs> Ever since I started working at Planet Fitness, I've been on the lookout for some lost and found gems. Oh boy! <laughs> okay. <laughs> My friend, who was working there when I met when I when I start when I started there, I noticed he had a pretty sweet chain on, and I said, "Oh, where'd you get that chain?" I'm sorry, this spanner will remain nameless.
1: <laughs> you, already <laughs> his, you already said an his name.
0: An, an unidentified male. So okay.
1: All right. We'll bleep it out. We'll bleep it out.
0: That he found it, and it was in the Lost and Found at Planet Fitness for like a month, right? And so he took it because, like, after a month, I mean, come on, that's up for grabs. Um, and <laughs> I, I was like, "Is it real?" And he's like, "I don't know." And I mean, it looked pretty real, so I was like, "Okay, that's pretty sick." Mm-hmm. Um, right. Really so one day, one day, he, I he go, "See, like, I'll be on the lookout if I ever find another one, so you can have it." Um Oh, by the way, I'm making chicken off right now. It's pretty tasty. Awesome. <laughs> anyways. Anyways, so he finds something. He goes, hey Drew, I got I got a chain for you. And I was like, no way, you're lying. So he sent me a picture, and it was a chain. Granted, it was an ugly chain. It was a <laughs> silver chain with different size chain links. Oh. God.
2: Um, what the- and
0: it was just it was rusted. It was tarnished. Well, Not something you want.
1: Well what I'm so, thinking in my head here, sorry to cut you off, but who's i guess if you wear a chain to the gym why are you then removing it like when maybe when you're benching because it's hurting your your chest or what's the point of wearing a chain to remove
0: know. it that or i'm thinking maybe the locker room like for a shower or something but possibly know, but but we'll get we'll get there in a second we We'll <laughs> okay. get there in
1: a second the story so, is like a fine wine it's gonna get better with age i can feel it
0: yes so i just that chain. i was like screw this so and you know, I've been looking I've been browsing the web, I've been browsing the Instagram sponsors, looking for some looking it doesn't even have to be real at this point, just a cheap <laughs> chain that I can pop after a dinger as I'm rounding the bases, something to sparkle on camera, I to show the fans everything. I mean business. And finally, finally, that day came after I transferred gyms because i used to work at one gym and I, I transferred to one closer to home same same plan of fitness shops, different gym i'd get there my second day i'm looking the lost and found because someone wanted airpods someone was like hey i lost airpods etc oh, um, etc et are they there did you find them so i looking into the thing i say no because i did not find them however my eye <laughs> happened <laughs> on a certain gold sparkle almost, <laughs> almost like Bilbo when he entered the cave and he saw a smug on a pile of
2: gold coins mm-hmm. the book right now. I, oh, yes. well, I, <laughs> I picked I picked up the top
3: baggage moved it to the side
0: grabbed grabbed the chain that is beholded around my neck at this very moment oh that was a couple of days ago now
1: there's I had done more. Some tests. I had done some tests. Is this chain real? Is it not?
3: Is it real gold? Is it fake? Because, like, there's so many fake ones
0: out there, right? Mm-hmm. And I did a water test that said if it was fake, it would float. If it was real, it would sink. That thing sunk as quick as the Titan. Well, quicker than the Titanic. <laughs> <laughs> that thing Check one. sunk like an anchor. Okay. Um, the thing sunk like an anchor. But then I did – so I was like, oh, this is definitely gold. Like I'm rich. Anyways, <laughs> today today I was like, you know what? I might as well go in to, the, to like a pawn shop something see if it's real. Mm-hmm. Well, before I did that, I was like, let's try one more home test just so I have some backing knowledge So if they try and cheat me out and say it's not real and try to buy it off me for cheap, sure. i could be like, no, it passed the magnet test and the water test, the mm-hmm. filthy animal. Anyways, the, um, so I did the magnet test.
3: And it sticks to the magnet, which means it would most likely not be gold. So I was all set. Yeah. Okay. Expecting bad news I went to the pawn shop. I tried to the pawn shop, <laughs> 10 minutes before they closed. I walk in. There's, there's just these old geezers in there, man.
0: And I walk in there. He's like, what can we do for you? And I was like, hey, I found this chain. I just want to know if it's real or not. You help me. And so he does. Um, he takes a look at it, and he goes – and at first glance, he's like, "Yeah, it's looking like it could definitely be a fake." Um, it just looks too gold; like the color is just a little too like fake shiny. And I was like, "Okay, okay, that makes sense. That checks out." Um, and but as he's as he looks closer, um, he goes, "But it looks, I mean, it looks really good." And then he sees the, the 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 like where you connect it, connector piece, and he goes, "Okay." But, you know, real gold always has a stamp. This doesn't have a stamp. And I was like, ah, that seems pretty clear cut then. Well, he goes, I'm going to try one more test just, just in case. And apparently he, like, scratched it on this, like, black slate rock almost. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then poured acid on it. And he pours the acid on it. I have no idea what's going on right now. Like, all I know is that he's poking at my necklace, and I don't know what, the, what, what anything means. Okay. He lets it sit for about a minute. It's just silence. So I'm like, is it real? Is it not? And he goes, hmm. And then asked me, he goes, can I make a notch in this? I was like, are you going to cut it in half or something? I'm like, I don't want that. He's like, no, no, I'm just going to make a slight notch so I can do the acid test again, but on like inside just to see if it's plated. Mm-hmm. He was you like, he 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 he's like, I'm act, I'm a little surprised right now. You might have happened upon something. So I'm getting my hopes up, right? Yep. But I'm still thinking like there's no way this is the actual gold. And um so he makes this notch and pours um, pours this acid on there and he goes Now all I hear is by God <laughs> it's, it's he goes, It's effing real.
2: No uh, way. Like, How much is it worth? Did he tell you? He did tell me. Is yeah. it a number uh, we can disclose?
0: <laughs> oh, it's a number we can disclose. I did not sell this. I'm keeping it.
2: You, you kept it?
0: Oh, yeah. So now... He gave me a low lowball answer. Well,
1: yeah, you did go to a pawn shop, shop. So... So, so, yeah, fa- got, fa-
0: so it, it, it's 14K gold,
1: right? Mm-hmm. It's
0: this two millimeter rope chain. I looked it up. Uh, you know that GLD shop? I don't know if anyone's ever looked at chains. It's like very popular, like, chain for, like, fake chain. Like, I they go all the way from fake chains, like plated and stuff, mm-hmm. to like real ones. And so I looked at the price on there. The price it would be if like you bought it new on a website would be like nine hundred dollars. Wow. This guy offered me. He goes, he was like, I'll give you one hundred to one ten. Oh. And
1: I was
0: like, I was like, ah, I think I'm gonna go think about it. He goes, you know what? I'll bump it up to one twenty because I like it. <laughs> and I was like,
1: wow. I was like,
0: oh, okay, that sounds like a bargain. And I was just like, well, is it okay if I take it home? I'm just going to think about it. And he's like, yeah, but we're only open till 6 today. We'll be open 10 to 6 every day though. And I was like, okay, well, I might be back. Huh, P.S. Not going to be back. This chain is mine, baby.
1: <laughs> All right, so I've I, one quick follow-up question for you, Drew. Yeah. Say hypothetically, a nice-looking man, a nice-looking gentleman comes into Planet Fitness tomorrow and says – yeah, I believe I left my gold chain. Yeah, here. That's what uh, I was
2: wondering, Andrew. Have you
1: seen it around as oh, you as you shit. as you start to
2: tuck the chain <laughs> into your shirt and say, ah, I'm I haven't seen it.
0: it. <laughs> I'm not wearing it to work for at least a month. <laughs> well, and,
2: why and did and you it, get dibs on this? He found it. I didn't. Well, yeah, it. but I, you weren't the one who put it in the lost and found, Ben. Yeah, well,
0: and I took I capitalized on someone else's missed opportunity.
2: Well, hey, I hope to see you
1: pop this chain in the next series when you hit a dinger, uh, Drew. Thanks again for calling in. Um, we look forward to Course. seeing that chain as a nice little, um, little snippet of your Okay. All of know it's from. All
0: right, boys. Thanks for having me on. I knew I just had a tough time that quick story. I thought it was funny. I hope you guys thought it was funny too.
1: Yep. Let us know. Let us know. All right, Drew. Sounds like you're going through some things there, making you Alfredo. So we'll talk to you later.
0: All right. Sounds good, boss.
1: Yep.
2: See ya. See ya. Alrighty, that was something we did not anticipate (laughs) that was uh
1: that was not the story i was thinking that was going to come but um i would like to give a follow-up story here a little uh, in contrast to that it's i'll keep it short unlike drew davis but i used to work at a dry cleaners as some of you may know for a summer and um i was i would always check the pockets everybody look for look for change look for look, look you're looking for valuables that's why you check the pockets for things and you also can't like if anything was put in the laundry that was in a pocket of a pant or a suit coat or anything like that then it would be ruined so i'm checking the pockets and um this guy has a suit go through his pants nothing and i reach inside the interior pocket of his jacket and i found some power beats threes they look brand new they were white And i was like dang so i pulled them out um found this guy's ticket from his order gave him a call he drove right back to the cleaners and he gave me a $20 tip for returning those power beats to him. Could I have kept those like Drew Davis? Sure. But I did the right thing. Called the guy back. He gave me a $20 tip. And hey, 20 bucks is more than I had to start with. And I would have felt horrible taking those power beats. Didn't even cross my mind. I called him immediately. So take what you will from that little snippet I shared with you in contrast to Drew. But all right. It is time for the fan Q of the day. Q Q Q Of the day. Our question this week comes from Instagram. If you would like to submit a question for the podcast to be answered, please DM them to at pipe it up MLW on Instagram. But this week's question comes from Ewan Manning 97. I believe I think it's how you say your name. If I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm sorry. But he asks, what is the best move you made for your team? For example, a trade, a signing or a draft. Daniel, why don't you take this one first?
2: Uh, honestly, I'm kind of leaning right now towards just drafting Dallas and Blade. Obviously time will tell on that because it's so early. I just drafted them, but, uh, you know, other ones I could possibly say is obviously like signing, uh, Zach, Zach Whalen a couple of years ago. Um, but honestly, I think Dallas and Blade have the most potential out of like any of the players I've ever, uh, had or played with. So I, I would say, those two draft picks this year, I'm especially excited with. I, I think I agree.
1: That was a, that's a great move for the Eagles, as I kind of mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Um, for me, you know, to be, I haven't made, I don't think any of us have made like that, that many moves quite yet. You know, the league's still pretty young in uh, the grand scheme of things, I think. And, um, you know, I've been a, the manager of the Mallards now for this, my fourth, fifth season, 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah. Fifth season now. And only a second season of the draft. But, I think something that made – when I thought of like best move I ever made, like the thing I did as a manager, I think number one would just be creating the Mallards in general. You know, that, that wasn't a team when I stepped into the league. You know, I had the idea of coming back. I told Kyle, like I didn't really want to go back to the Wildcats. I think we should keep expanding and I want to make a new team. This is what I want to call it. And I got my friends on board, got players, Noah, Steve. I think that's my best move right there is just creating the Mallards in general. If I had to narrow it down to the last couple years, um. I think this drafting of Irwin is going to pan out well for me. Um, I did my research this year on the draft. Um, I had a conversation with several different people, several different people, um, as to who I could pick, and I considered my options. and I think I made the right choice with Caden. We'll see how that, we'll see how that statement lies at the end of the year when I look back at it. But um, time will tell, I guess. But I think that's, those are my two moves: making the Mallards as a whole, and then um, picking up Caden this year as well. Anything to add to that, Dan?
2: Anything? Well, I, I just I, I'm kind of curious um, if you wanted to expand a little more on uh, like I I don't really remember like when you came back to the league and wanted to start with the Mallards like how did that conversation go with Kyle like was was he upset at all honestly, not, like you not returning to the Wildcats or was he just like happy to have you back I don't really remember uh, yeah like, honestly
1: it's funny I don't even remember that much like I feel like I always knew like I didn't say I shouldn't say I always knew but. Like probably like once I hit my junior year of high school, so this is 2016 spring. I was like, yeah, next year after I finish baseball, like wiffle ball looks pretty fun. I want to keep playing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna come back and play another year. And I remember like joking, I was like joking the year before actually about go, going to the Seahawks oh with my those gosh, guys, yeah, and like joining that team. And I was like, nah, I was like, well, I should just do my own thing. So I forget, I don't know, but like Noah was on the Seahawks and he wanted to win. And he didn't think he could win with those guys. So I knew, like, he wanted to make our own team. I think we kind of came up with that Midwest Mallards name together. He tries to steal credit for it, but I swear that was my idea. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah. So, like, I had Noah. And um, Steve was a guy who had never played before at that point. But he wanted to play. Actually, did he play for the Astros, Steve?
2: Uh, I don't believe so.
1: I think he was one who wanted to get involved. He may have even been on a roster but never played but I knew that would be my third guy. And then Dalton Porth was my fourth that year who didn't play much, but I, he's, he's a guy who played before and was solid and a friend of mine and Noah's. So yeah, honestly, I don't even think like Kyle second-guessed it. I feel like we wanted to keep expanding, and I was like, yo, I think I want to come back and make a new team called the Midwest Mallards. He said, sounds good, let's do it. I think that's how simple it was. It wasn't anything elaborate or crazy like that, but I don't yeah. know. It's really it's funny, I don't remember a lot of the details. That's why I don't think there was a lot of conflict. There wasn't a lot of conflict when creating the Mallards. It was uh, – pretty seamless experience i think and i think we won our first year it was awesome so yeah that's, look, my, that's my
2: best move i was wondering how the name of the mallards came about but uh i think honestly this is a good time to transition to the uh the next series mallards wildcats i yeah. wanted to get your scope on the uh how the mallards are looking for this year oh yeah
1: i mean i, I addressed this briefly on um the first podcast we had of this season um but um, the Mallards, I guess, independent from the Wildcats, just talking about us for a second. Um, I've said this many times, it's a new look, it's a new look squad. You know, we don't have Daverco or McPeak anymore. So it's just me returning. Um, we have Bonham. Bonham, Bonham, played last year. Sorry, Trevor. But, um, you know, when I think of our core, I think of me, Noah and Steve, because that's what it was for so many years, but we drafted Bonham last year. He's coming back. And then I drafted Caden Irwin this year as well. So it's going to be us three are going to be the, the core group of guys that are hopefully at every series. Um, So it's going to be a totally different feel. You know, I'm used to being out there, you know, with my friends. I've been friends with for a long time. And now it's kind of just me with a guy I met last year. And this first series, the Wildcats will be my first time actually meeting Caden in person. So it'll be definitely a much, much different feel. It'll feel more like me showing up to a summer baseball game with my new travel team, which I haven't met anybody on, that kind of thing. But I'm hoping that we all get along well. Um, I've talked to Caden on the phone a couple times. So he seems like he seems like a good guy. And, um, but as for our squad, you know, I think we got three pretty balanced hitters. Trevor looked good in spring training. And I also think we have three fairly balanced pitchers, to be honest. I wouldn't say we have like a standout ace coming into this first series. I think I'm going to give The Rock to Trevor Bonham in Game 1. But um, yeah, besides that, um, I think that our possibilities this year are kind of limitless because we haven't really – this is a new team. I mean, even though we're the Ballards, it's besides me and Trevor – Trevor, you know, wouldn't even hit in every series last year. Um, he'd pitch like one game a series, and now he's gonna be a lot more involved, I think. So it's it's really a new team, to be honest.
2: And then I just had like one last question. Um, what do you think about uh, Austin Ford returning to the league, returning now to the Ma- or to the Wildcats, but playing his former team, the Mallards, your team? uh and then kind of like a preview of the wildcats what do you think about them going into that yeah the
1: wildcats are always a solid team because it's like it's like you on the eagles if you got kyle schultz if you got daniel schultz if you have a guy like that um on a small team like you know that that team is going to win a lot of games you would think so and they were in the world series last year they added nick sailor who in my opinion was probably the best hitter in the league last year in terms of both power and hitting for average um he's just a very dangerous hitter big swing but um so, yeah, I think they're going to be a solid team. Um, I also love their draft pick of Jackson Pearson. He's a guy that I looked at as well, but I wasn't sure on his availability for the season, which is why I didn't draft him. But Austin Ford returning, I'm happy for him. You know, it's never easy because, like, when I I guess you could say I cut him, I mean, for lack of a better term. But, um, you know, it's hard. I'm looking to win games, and I really think that, having a three man roster is like been the key to a lot of good teams the last couple of years. And I wanted to stay there. And when we had Austin in our lineup, I just felt like our chemistry and our flow was kind of off and me and Noah and St- we, we just weren't getting enough at bats as a squad, you know, whether it was like Austin or Steve or Noah or myself to like stop playing for the Mallards. Like I think it just had to be done to cut it down to three in those in the years prior but because Austin had spent the least amount of time with us, I think it was easiest just to kind of let him go and stick with my core that I developed and try to make us as good as we could. But, yeah, so I'm happy he's back. Um, Kyle picked him up. I think he's excited to be back, which is also cool. And uh, so, yeah, I hope it works out for him. I hope he finds a home in the Wildcats, and I hope he, I hope he has a good season. Nothing nothing but the best for
2: him. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I also thought it was interesting you said uh, Jackson Pearson because I heard you say you almost took him at two. I did which is uh, really interesting. He's a great hitter. He's very young, but I'm also interested to see how he uh, pans out.
1: But, um, yeah, that kind, of, that kind of wraps up our, um, you know, our, our meat and potatoes here, the podcast. We got into all the wiffle ball stuff, the previous series, the next series. Um, we even had a little surprise call there from the Lord and Savior, Drew Davis. Was that an entertaining story? You be the judge. I'm not going to comment. But I also give <laughs> you guys my side of the story on my dry cleaners experience. But I think it's important that uh, – We we continue to develop our personal relationships with with the fans, with the pod squad. So um, I think it's uh, a good idea that we continue to share some personal stories, at least at least one per episode. So uh, I guess that's my time to take the mic here and uh, talk about my last. (laughs) Yeah, I've
2: been waiting for this one. This Um, is a a good one,
1: ladies and gentlemen. I've had just a whirlwind (laughs) of a few weeks, and this I'm hoping this was an understatement.
2: (laughs) I'm hoping this was the
1: cherry on top. Um. Basically, within the last month, I'm, I've been a whirlwind—like good and bad. Um, good things of like, wh- like I graduated college. Kyle graduated college. We're all done with that. Um, we've been, you know, really going hard, developing MLW, um, and it's been going well. And then bad things has been all within like a couple weeks of each other. I I had this I have this lingering chest injury that won't go away. I thought it was minor, and it just keeps getting worse and worse. My grandpa passed away. I got a ticket for rolling a stop sign, so what? make sure you come to a rolling stop. I didn't know
2: yeah, I forgot about make that. Make sure
1: you stop at all stop signs. I'm going to court to fight that. Stay tuned, <laughs> pod squad. And then last but not least, I took a fishing trip, a little fishing excursion with uh, the Swamp Man, as you guys may know if you're big fans. And uh, great day on the water. You know, we, we had a canoe. We, it was peaceful. The water was calm. sun was shining. A slight breeze. Um, it was just a great day of fishing. I caught two bass. But... Uh, Swamp man, excuse me, um, he uh, he he didn't catch anything and he has a tendency to not catch anything. And he likes to joke about how the fish hate him and he can't catch anything and he sucks at fishing and it's a waste of time and all this <laughs> stuff. So we kind of – I noticed that the fish were hanging out in the shallows that day. It was a little colder outside. So I said, swamp man – I don't call him swamp man, by the way, but for this story, I'll call him swamp man. I said, swamp man, let's go on the dock here of this, of this place where we're using the canoe and let's look for fish. I bet you I can fi- find a fish right here in the shallows. So I, we parked the canoe after our two or three hours of fishing. I I, I waddle across the dock and I, uh, I look next to the dock pole. And sure enough, there's a nice probably 15 to 16 inch bass just sitting right there in, in five, six feet of water. I'm like, Swamp Man, <laughs> just drop your line down and catch this bass and take a picture with it. And no one will know. He's like, all right. So Swamp Man starts uh gets his gear from the canoe, walks out to the end of the dock. And we're, we're on a time crunch here. My sister needed the car that we were using. So I was like, we got five minutes. You got to catch this fish. We got to go. So I'm kind of periodically checking my phone, making sure we're on time, making sure we're on time. He's not catching this fish. I'm like, what are you doing? It's right there. Just catch it. He can't catch it. I checked the time one last time on my phone. I go to put my phone back in my pocket. And the next thing I know, I hear doink on the dock. I see my phone bounces off the dock and then kerplunk right into the water. And that thing just sunk like a rock. My (laughs) iPhone 10 sunk like a rock that's sad and i go oh there goes my phone and i just jump right into the water and the water is so cold like bone chillingly cold this actually happened i'm not making this up so i jump in the water (laughs) (laughs) this is sadly true i jump in the water and immediately it's just regret i'm like oh my god what do i do it's freezing and like my feet sunk like ankle deep in muck like it was not a sandy bottom it was seaweed and mud it was horrible i'm like i am screwed this phone is gone like i'm absolutely screwed here So I'm in there sloshing my feet around, like gasping for air because I'm so cold. And it's about, like I said, probably about five, probably really close to six feet because it was almost over my head. And um, so anyway, I I slosh around in there for a couple minutes. No luck. I get out of the water. I like run to this guy's – I'm using someone else's canoe. I know him. But I run into his shed. I'm looking for goggles to swim underwater. Don't find anything. Then I see our fishing net. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can fish it out. So I jump back in the water, once again, freezing. I'm fully clothed, by the way. I didn't take any of my clothes off. I should have stripped down my underwear to go in. But I go in, and probably within about five minutes of scooping up mud and seaweed and rocks, maybe like the fifth or sixth scoop after we filtered through everything I got out, I, I find my cell phone, and it's just it's not in good shape. But it's on. It lights up, and it's my background. I'm like, no way. It still works. Let's go. So – I, it doesn't sound great when I talk on it when I, that day. And I was like, okay, it's fine. I put, I put it in rice, kind of forgot about it. Turn it on the next morning and boots right up. And I'm like, we're good to go boys. <laughs> not that <laughs> easy. Used it for about five minutes. Um, scrolling through Twitter, eating a bowl of oatmeal. And all of a sudden it just goes neon green <laughs> for about five seconds. And I go, whoop, and then that is not a good sign. Then it goes black and it never turns back on. So you can say rest in peace to that phone. Um, it, it served a good life. Had it for about two years. Dropped it in the lake. And, you know, it's just embarrassing. When you're like a, a kid, you're like in high school, middle school, and you drop your phone in the water. Like, it's kind of funny. It's like, oh, uh, my, my kid dropped his phone in the water. But then when you have to call your parents, you're like, yeah, I dropped my phone in the lake. As a 22-year-old man, just kind of embarrassing. So I had to go to – I went to Costco. I had to shut out $1,000 for a new phone, my own money, first phone. My parents bought me my last iPhone for my birthday. This one I bought, and uh, it's forty dollars a month for two years, and it's just it hurts. But it's a nice phone. But lesson to be learned there is, a, you don't think it can happen to you until you see that phone sinking like a rock to the bottom of the lake, and it is a horrible feeling, let me tell you. But I, it's just <laughs> to, to add on to the story. I mean, I've, I feel like I'm <laughs> elaborating now, but then um, so then I take it to a repair shop after it goes black. I have it in a bowl of rice in the back seat of my car, very stable. But I had to pick up my sister from her friend's house after that, so I still had the phone back there. The guy at the repair shop already told me I'm out of luck. He's like, you're screwed. Not going to work. And I'm like, okay, thanks, bud. I left. Um, Anyway, I'm going to pick up my sister, and I almost missed my turn to her friend's street, and I slammed on the brakes, and this giant bowl of rice spills in my whole entire car. (laughs) I hit the brakes too hard. Like everything – I say this. It's not true, but it feels like that sometimes. But like everything that could have gone wrong in the last couple weeks has gone wrong, it seems like but i'm 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 being more optimistic in life and that's not i know that's not true when i say it it just feels that way but even when i was buying this new iphone 12 at costco i told the guy i was like i'll be back here in a week with a shattered screen i guarantee it i was like that's how my month is going something's going to happen to this phone but i'm hoping this is the end maybe i'll go to court and i'll beat this ticket and tell this cop i did stop at the stop sign cuz i did <laughs> But I don't know, Dan. What are your comments?
2: Well, I definitely can't relate to everything bad that has happened oh, there because there's a, there's a lot to so uh, much man. a lot to unfold. I, I will say that I can relate to in a lot of the stuff you said. Like I, they, like it would happen to me. Like I'm yeah. You always think it's like I that's mean, a, Like <laughs> people always say like that's a Daniel thing to do or whatever. It's true. <laughs> like and I can't relate to the phone because I I put my phone in the washer a couple years ago and it totally got uh, it's yeah. done. So yeah, I definitely can get you there, and gee, I hope the best for you, man. It's not
1: a oh, man. It's not a. I have two more days to my screen protector and case arrives from Amazon, and I better not break it before then. But that's my story, guys. I guess it was hopefully kind of funny for you, and I mean, even I was like, once I was out of the water with my phone in my hand, I was laughing about it. But when I was down there sloshing in the mud, trying to get it, it was it was no laughing matter. I was I was like, this really sucks. But also. Save up your pennies and pay the 99 cents a month for the 50 gigabytes of iCloud space or any kind of cloud space because I luckily didn't lose everything because I did that. I totally forgot about it. It It's only a dollar a month, but I still have all my contacts, pictures, text messages, everything.
2: See, so it could be worse. It It could could be be worse, worse, but it's still not not
1: everything went wrong like you said. Like, it's just embarrassing. (laughs) (laughs) You drop your phone in a lake off the dock, it could have, it had real estate. This is a wide dock. It had real estate, you know, going left, right, or backwards. The one way it couldn't go was straight forwards off the edge, and that's the way it bounced. It was, and it like happened in slow motion. Like when it happened, I just froze. I watched it fall, and it just went doink, boop, right into the water, and just sunk straight down into darkness. And I'm like, wow, that just. I guess happened.
2: you might. I don't know. Maybe you just have to keep your phone on the shore from here on out. Just, I mean, well, Dan, here's the thing: is I docks. Have, it's docks. I mean, it's it's risky. Here, here's man. the thing:
1: a couple years ago. Uh, I was at the mall and just saw it, like, at near the register at a little end cap. I paid 10 bucks for a waterproof, like, Ziploc baggie for your phone while you're fishing, and I wasn't
2: using it. Yeah, I mean, but, oh, true. Well, yeah, that thing, that's kind of a ripoff, because, like, you're never going to think of, like, yeah, I should do that now. You're- I
1: know. Well, that's the thing, too, is, like, I would never be an idiot who, like, holds my phone over the side of a canoe or over the side of a dock to, like, do something. Like, that's just common sense. I was just putting it back in my pocket, and uh, I missed, missed my Nike shorts pocket, and just the rest
2: is history, man. Especially in six feet of water, I still can't believe you actually found it. Like, I, had, I thought you was just- If I didn't be- have a
1: net, it would still be down there. Are that you- was- at least I could, like, leave- if I would have left that lake without finding the phone, I would have been so mad. Like, I would have been so mad, but I did find it within- did- I would say it was between seven to ten minutes underwater, and by the way, this phone was rated for 30 minutes underwater at six feet, so- Way to go, Apple.
2: <laughs> so, is it? Is, are, did you turn the phone in, or do you still have it? Like, yeah, are you I still trying to? I can't turn it in. It's junk, dad. No one well, wants it, it for parts. <laughs> it's fried. It got soaked in water. The
1: cameras. You, you look at the cameras, they're all just. It's all just condensation and water droplets. Yeah, it's, I, yeah. It's so I was bad. just. I don't know. I was. It's junk. Are they going to use it for? I don't know. They, I don't know what you'd
2: use that for. It's useless. It's a worthless <laughs> piece of equipment. <laughs> ruined it. I don't know. I didn't know if you're still trying to get it going, or I don't know. Maybe there's a chance. Little chance it could work. It's just been, it's just been terrible. But hey, all we're right.
1: looking to bounce back. Um, I think hopefully the worst is behind me for the summer. Hopefully all my summer mishaps are in the past and behind me. But um, yeah, if you guys want to ask fan questions for the Q of the day, um, you want to do anything like that, anything podcast related, please send DMs to Pipe It Up MLW on Instagram. I also wanted to give a shout-out to, if you guys haven't seen the new merch yet, go to MLWMerch.com and check out the new drop. We have two new T-shirts and a rally towel that dropped on opening day. Some of the best merch we ever dropped, in my opinion, so please go and check that out as well. I mentioned that on the first podcast, but if you haven't already, go check that out. Dan, you got any final comments?
2: No, man. It was fun being back for the second time. Uh, Hopefully, you can be back uh, next week as a host or a guest, but uh, it was fun. Yeah, once
1: again, this is we're just free-flowing here. I promised you guys an episode every week. And that's exactly what we're doing. Um, me and Dan have kind of fallen into this role here of co-hosting. Who knows if it will continue, but um, I know Jack Agner wants to get more involved. Um, I'm sure your lord and savior, Drew Davis, would like to be back on full-time at some point. But uh, you can bet you're going to get a pipe-up episode every week. And um, I say it every week, but it's true. The best is yet to come. But, uh, yeah, guys, we will see you next Tuesday. Hey, we're looking to bounce back. Um... 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 Um...
3: Um...